are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. Got a passage of scripture today. We're going to jump into Joshua chapter 7 and Joshua chapter 8, which is in the Old Testament. Um, This morning, as we talk about uh, the main idea, I'm going to ask a question. Which side is progressing in you? Everybody say progress. Progress. Put that in the comments if you're online. Progress. We got to figure out which side is progressing in us. There's two sides. There's the darker side and then there's the brighter side. And so today we're going to learn about this, we're going to learn from it, and uh, we're going to learn about a guy named Achan who uh, commits a sinful act, and God is so upset, he, he ends up wiping out him and his whole family, okay? How many of you are glad to come to church today, all right? And so, uh, so that, that's the chapter 7, and then we get into chapter 8, uh, where God breaks through a, a, a particular part of the region that the Israelites were trying to conquer in this new land. They had just won uh, a big battle in Jericho and spiritually just feeling great about themselves. And then they run into Ai, this other area. In Joshua chapter 8, God helps them through uh, breaking through that particular region as well and and giving them the victory. And so um, as we learn about this, we're going to learn about two sides, the darker side, the brighter side, which side is progressing in us. And uh, I've been having a lot of progressing conversations with my son about football and uh, we've been talking a lot about that. Yesterday, we had a great conversation. We're sitting there on my couch, and him and I are watching my oldest, uh, Isaiah, with five. Everett uh, was taking a nap, and uh, how many could use a nap, amen? And so he's, he's taking a nap, and, and so my, my oldest son, Isaiah, is five, sitting on, on the couch with me. We're watching a college football game, and it's not the NFL. And so he looks at it, and he goes, he goes, Dad, you like football? I said, yeah, I love football. And he goes, I love football, too. He said, do, are you watching the Steelers? And I said, excuse me? Uh, <laughs> and he said, do you like the Steelers? I said, son, I said, there's one thing you need to know. We do not mention that name in this house. <laughs> now, come on, church. Amen. That's right. Uh, and, so, and so he goes, okay. And then uh, he likes the color orange. So he goes, what about the orange teams? I said, son, there's a couple of orange teams in the NFL, but we don't even mention their names either. We don't even bring them up. And I said, son, we are Colts fans. And then he goes to me, what are, who are the Colts? And I said, I said, Lord, give me patience, all right? And uh, I said, son, that's our team. That's the team we, we root for, right? And, and guess what? I said, yeah, their, their, their color is blue. And he goes, wow, I like blue. <laughs> like, so progressing, amen? And so we're going gonna to be praying for him hedge protection around him, that there's only one team he needs to root for, amen, and so, uh, so it's a lot of fun, you know, kids are, kids are hilarious, they're, they're a lot of fun, um, so learning how to get in the game, how to progress in the right area of our life, like I said, there's two sides uh, to this that we're going to look at, there's the darker side, and then there's the brighter side, so we're going to look at Joshua chapter 7, 
verses 1 through 15, again, the, the Israelites had just conquered Jericho. Great victory, great battle that they had won, and the Lord had come through for them. And now there's a particular side that they're now going to face that they have to address that needs to be corrected. And so we're going to read about it in chapter 7, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read all 15 verses because it's going, to, it's going to be helpful with the context as to what's going to take place, okay, towards the end of this chapter. So hang with me. Joshua chapter 7, verses 1 through 15, it says this, But the Israelites, after Jericho, but the Israelites were unfaithful, in regard to the devoted things. Everybody say devoted things. This is important because in this chapter, the word devoted, the phrase devoted things will be mentioned several times. And when you see that in in the Bible, when you see that in a chapter, that is important for you to underline because the author is trying to point something out. He's trying to show you how important that, that phrase or that word is. And so he will mention it several times. And it says, Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, took some of the devoted things. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Did it burn against Achan or did it burn against Israel? Israel. That's an important thing to catch, is Achan did it, but then the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Very interesting uh, point that we have to bring out eventually. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up, spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army. For only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of people melted in fear and became like water. How many know those spies need to be reassigned? They need a different assignment now. They did not do a good job. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same, sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why do you bring these, these people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that the Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and other people of the country will hear about this, will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. There it is again. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites can't stand up against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted. There it is again, to destruction. Go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things, there it is again, among you Israel. And you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. How many know that would make your heart pound if you're hearing that? It's like, what did I do? Did I do something? Like I got, it really causes you to evaluate your life. And so for the people of Israel, they are, 
They are having this troubled moment in time. This is after a great victory. And this is important truth. When you have a great victory in your life, you know your weakest and most darkest moment could just be right on the other side of that victory. So have you ever got, it's called pride. It's called arrogance. It's called, sometimes we think we do one thing well, we sometimes end up uh, becoming prideful and arrogant. And what happens is we trip up just because we weren't paying attention. And so, we're not, you know, we can go into Joshua not consulting the Lord before going up to Ai. We can go into that. We're not going to have time to go into that. But the, the point that is being is, is brought out is about Achan and the devoted things that got withheld. You see, when they conquered Jericho, God says, I want you to destroy everything. Everything. I want you to even destroy not just the, to take out the people. Now, you've got to do your research about the Canaanites. These are, these are not nice people, and they did a lot of crazy, wicked things that you, would be unimaginable in today's society. And so God says, I have pronounced judgment on them. They're being wiped out off the face of the earth. That is his judgment on them. And so how many know when you trust the Lord, you trust his judgment, right? And so he's pure, he's holy, he's blameless. And so we trust his judgment. And so the Lord is saying, now you're supposed to wipe out everything that they owned. However, Achan took some things. He didn't take a whole lot. He took a few things. It was a robe from Babylonia. He took a little bar of gold. He took some silver. And comparison to how much Jericho had, that's not a whole lot. That's something that you can hide in your coat pocket or something. Like, it's not a whole lot of stuff that he takes. God says what he has done is a wicked thing. In fact, I am charging Israel as sinning against me. The interesting thing that God says about one man who decides to do something that nobody else knew about. And so God says that they have to get ready because these devoted things are important to the Lord. There are several things that the Lord calls in his word as devoted. And it's important that we know these things because this is what is devoted to him. Number one is our worship. That's devoted to him. He kicked out Satan and all those who followed him because when they rebelled against God, the reason why they rebelled against God is because they wanted the worship rather than God. And God says, nobody can handle the worship purely like I can. And so he had to kick them out of heaven. He says, enough. You can't handle the worship in a pure and holy way. And so he kicks them out. Nobody, no human being can handle worship in a pure and holy way, the way God can. And so this is important. That's what Luke chapter 4, verse 8 says. Jesus would, in the wilderness, getting tempted by the devil, he says, worship the Lord your God only. The second thing that we can point out that we know is devoted to the Lord is, is our tithe. Tithe is 10% of our income. The Bible calls that devoted to the Lord. It is our act of worship. It is an opportunity for us to honor God with the first things that he has given to us. Tithe is important. Tithe, tithe is mentioned in the Old Testament. Jesus mentions it in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. It's very easy to remember. Verse 23, chapter 23, right? Of Matthew. It's a very, very important part that we need to understand. Jesus says to the, to the Pharisees, because they had tithed, but at the same time, they had also neglected some things that were important to Jesus and the Lord as, and, and to God as well. And so Jesus says, I, I don't want you to neglect these things, but I also don't want you to neglect what belongs to the Lord, the tithe. And so it's important that we understand there are things that are devoted to the Lord, and he takes it very serious. He takes it very seriously. There's a third thing that he calls devoted to him. And there's another thing. He calls it marriage. He says, marriage is devoted to me. That's why Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2, 
They're, they're coming together as one. They're unifying together, right? And who is their witness? Because it's only Adam and Eve in the world, right? There's nobody else. They may have a dog or they have a, have a cat or they have a tiger or a lion. There's no other human being on the planet besides Adam and Eve. But there's God as their witness. That's why it's so important when we, when we get married, not only are the people the witness, God is my witness. And that's important. These are devoted things to the Lord. God takes these things very seriously. There's other things, but we don't have a whole lot of time to get through all of this. This is just some things that we need to recognize. So, so for the Israelites, in order for them to gain new territory, to live in this new normal, they had to understand there are some things they're going to have to do differently from now on in order to stay in the land of blessing. Because you can get into that blessing, you can get into that favor, but you can also lose it. You can also lose the anointing. Ask King Saul what happened. First king of Israel was anointed by God to be the king of Israel, but then he lost it. Because why? He neglected the devoted things of the Lord. He lost it. He gained it, but then he lost. And so it's so important that we know this. Now, some of you are thinking like, wow, that Pastor Bob, you just unloaded so much on me. Here, here's a quote from the book New Normal by John Lindell that will help us understand this. This is important. He says this, how you handle the first stretch of the new land is how you will handle all of the land. Don't hear this in a way that intimidates or debilitates you. The, the idea is not that you need to be perfectly strong, perfectly wise, perfectly strategic. Because this land is new and unfamiliar to you. A certain amount of human bumbling is expected and not worth beating yourself up over. What God wants is not some sort of Greek ideal of perfection. God simply wants to be honored first. He simply wants to be honored first in your life. And so he gives us these devoted things. So what caused God to pronounce such a judgment on Achan? What did he do? What was, what was the things that we need to see in Achan's life so that we avoid those things and we don't do the same thing he did? And this is a couple of things that you can write down if you want. I, I, basically, these are the observations I saw and I believe the Lord wants to, to reveal to us. You see, Achan was in the community of Israel, but he wasn't with the community and its mission. There's a big difference in being in the community, but also with the community and its mission. If there's a big difference than being in the church, than being with the church and its mission. There's a big difference. God calls us to be on mission in building his church. He says, this is the thing that's going to last forever. Build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's what he tells us in his word. And so we can be in the community of believers but we could also not be with the mission. We could also not be engaged. We could also fail to participate. This is why it's so important. This is why every single person is called to participate. It's, it's some kind of participation that God is leading you on and calling you to. This is why we give, we serve, we pray, we participate, we live it out because he measures things differently. I always love to dissect the word of God and how he measures things because it keeps my heart in check. God, what, how do you measure? I know how the world measures, but I want to know how you measure. Because when I know how he measures, there's a lot of times I have to correct myself and say, okay, that may be a good thing, but it's not the thing that God wants right now. It may be something different. It may be a different destination or a different process. I got to evaluate what does God measure and how does he measure. Now, there's a spiritual blessing in our participation. So many of you 
participate and you see it with your own eyes, right? You see the worship. You see God glorified. You see people come to know Jesus, their lives transformed. You see the community being built. You see the mission and taking place and you saying, yes, I'm on board. I'm on board. Are we on board? Are we willing to participate? Are we willing to put ourselves out there and say, you know what, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I'm willing. Are you willing? And so many of you have seen that over and over. There are names to faces of people you can point to and say, man, that person's life was changed. And I got to just be a small part of that. I just got to be a part, small part of that. And you feel honored, right? Because it's, it's miraculous in itself. You see, Achan's problem was that he was in the community of Israel, but he wasn't with the community and the mission of Israel. He was about his own self. Achan, here's number two, Achan was isolated from people. It said no one knew what Achan did. Not even Joshua. Not even the spiritual elders. Not even the people who were their spiritual leaders did not know what Achan had done. And so he was isolated. His greed grew in the dark. So how do you address darkness in our life? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are areas of life where we struggle, each and every person. There's no one exempt from a struggle. No one. But what Achan failed to realize is he let that grow in the dark. And eventually it came to a point where it was so deadly, God had to judge it. And God had to hold him accountable. Because he was refusing to let it be in the light. So this is what it teaches us. You and I need to have depth in our relationships. Not acquaintances. You need to have depth in your relationships with people. You, you and I need it. I need it. I'm not exempt from this. You and I need accountability in areas of our weakness. Because you know why? Because darkness gets exposed when we reveal it to the light. Amen? And so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 1 says, the light has shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You've got to expose that darkness in your life. When you expose it, you're exposing it to the light. You need somebody to keep you accountable. This is, there's nobody that's exempt from this, not even the pastor, okay? Not even me. I have people in my life who check in on me, and it's so wonderful that I have other pastor friends who call me and say, hey, how are you doing? How, how's life? How's this? I know you said you, you need some prayer here. How's that going? How's this working out for you? Is there anything I I need that. I need that. Because there are things in my life I have to keep in check. If I don't, it gets out of control. If I don't, it grows in the darkness. And it's dangerous to let things grow in the dark. So, the third thing he does. Maybe you haven't caught this before. I caught this for the first time. He said, didn't Achan know what was going to happen the day before? Didn't, didn't Joshua repeat what God said? He says, tomorrow morning I am going to do this. I'm going I'm to call out tribe by tribe. And then I'm going to get clan by clan, family by family, man to man. Achan knew what was coming, but Achan didn't say in that moment, all right, Lord, it was me. I did it. What did Achan do? He tested the word of God. He didn't think God would follow through on what he said, and he didn't think God knew. He tested God at his word, and God came through on his word. I wonder, my question, what if Achan would have said in that moment, Rather than going through this whole ordeal, 
Rather than getting face to face with Joshua, realizing that he's the man and everybody else is now discovering it, I wonder if Achan in that moment would have said, don't even go through the process, God. I am the man. Would God have spared him? Would God have relented? Would God have saved him and his family? And this is why you're like thinking, like, I read the Achan story for the first time a long time ago, and I was like, man, that's a harsh punishment. Why Achan? Why his whole stuff? Why the tent? Why his family? Everybody getting wiped out from his family. Because sin is dangerous. Sin is dangerous. John Owen, one of my, a great theologian, said this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And sin is just not coming for you. It's coming for your family. It's impacting the generations of your family. This is the spiritual truth God is bringing out. And the only way you and I get to escape eternal death is through Jesus Christ. Because you, this is the spiritual law. Is that it doesn't just affect Achan. It affected his whole family and infected the community. Do you know humanity is all connected? So sin does matter. Adam and Eve sinned. What happened? Were any of us there present physically? No. But how many know we live with the effects of that decision in the garden? Right? You need, this is why I'm saying, pointing this out. You need the spiritual law to be true. Because otherwise the resurrection does not apply. Romans chapter 5 says this to us. For the sake of time, we're not going to read the whole thing. But Romans chapter 5 talks about sin entering the world through one man. Who's the one man? Adam. He enters the world through one man. But then it says, in verses 15 through 17, it talks about the gift of salvation comes through another. Oh, I love that part. I don't like the first part of Romans, where it's like, chapter 5, where it's like, sin entered through one man. Great, thanks a lot, Adam and Eve, right? You just like, appreciate it, you know? Thanks for the inheritance, all right? And so, but then it says, in verse 15 through 17, because that spiritual law applies... Now we understand the importance of Jesus dying on the cross and the resurrection power can now come to us for anyone who believes and confesses he is Lord. It now applies to you. Who was there physically when Jesus died on the cross in this room? Nobody, right? And so we weren't physically alive. But thanks be to God, right, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ still applies to us. That is our inheritance. I mean, that should get us excited, right? That should be a good amazing, right? It's like, I'm glad this spiritual law is in place. Otherwise, Jesus and the resurrection doesn't apply to me, but it does. And this is the important thing that is being pointed out in Joshua chapter 7. So if there is something we know that we need to expose, the question is, will we expose it to the light? Will we expose it to the light? Because we have to understand God is not our enemy. He's not our enemy. What he reveals to us in his word doesn't mean that he's your enemy. What he's trying to do is, is allow you the opportunity to walk in his blessing and favor and freedom. And he doesn't want anything holding you back anymore. He wants you to walk in that victory that he has given to you. So we have to give whatever it is over to him and watch what God will do with it. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, but my power will be made perfect in your weaknesses. So what if the thing, AI is small, correct? AI is small. Have you ever looked at a situation or a struggle that you had and thought, why can I not get over this? <laughs> Maybe I'm the only person in the room, right? And so, have you ever thought that? It's like, why do I always trip up with this? Why? It's like AI. Why, why can't we just conquer AI? How hard can it be? And it seems to trip us up every single time. The, it, defeat 
and discouragement? The Bible says, my power will be made perfect in your weaknesses. So what if the thing that is tripping you up is the very thing that God wants to use to bring glory to his name? My power is made perfect in his weakness. So here's three things. How do you address the dark side in our life? We all have it. All right, no one's exempt, including Pastor Bobby. No one's exempt. How do you address the dark side? This is what you need to do. Pray you'll accomplish his mission, not yours. It's not your kingdom. It's his, his, his. Build his. Find the things that matter to him and start doing those things. Watch you build the kingdom. It's truly amazing. Number two, pray God will direct you and surround yourself with people who can check in on you, including the dark areas of your life. Find people who will check in on you and address the dark things in your life. Here's the problem. A lot of times we want people to check in with us with the dark things, but they don't know because why? We were refusing to tell. We hold it in. I'm telling you what, the enemy will have a field day with you when you hold that in, when you won't share, when you try to hide. He wants that to grow in the dark because he sees freedom on the other side. And he doesn't want you to obtain it. So people who check in on you need to know what's going on. You need to have those people in your life. Say, God, direct me to those people. It could be a spouse. It could be a pastor. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. In fact, I would encourage you to do this. this I think this is biblical. You should have several people checking in on you. Not just one, several. Because you know why? Jesus showed us this example in Matthew chapter 17. I discovered this last night. He goes up to the mountain of transfiguration, right? And this is where Jesus is fully God, fully man, but he transforms in this moment, and the three disciples that are there, Peter, James, and John, are blown away, and they're like falling on their face. They're freaking out, right? You would freak out too, okay? You'd be screaming. I'd be screaming. I'd be like, what in the world is going on? And so Jesus is transforming before their very eyes, and is Jesus having a conversation with God the Father? Sure, you could probably make a case for that. But it also says the spirit of Moses and the spirit of Elijah was there. Moses and Elijah have been dead for a long time, folks. I don't know about you, but that would be like, why, why does Jesus need to talk to Moses and Elijah? Because Jesus is showing us that you and I need more than one person talking in, into our life. You need multiple people encouraging you, checking in on you, praying for you, doing whatever it is that is necessary to help you stay focused on the mission that God has for you. Because there will be a day where you want to quit. There will be a day when you feel like you can't beat whatever it is that's plaguing your mind and heart and soul. But I'm here to tell you, when you bring people in, when you allow people to encourage you, to pray for you, to know what's going on, I'm telling you what, you're bringing that thing to the light and the darkness is getting exposed. And what is happening is you're starving the darkness now. And when you starve darkness, it dies. When you starve it, it dies. This is so beautiful what God is showing us through his word. The, th the second thing is this, the brighter side, Joshua chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. Okay, so now what has happened what is, is Achan and his family have been, have been uh, executed. They're done, gone, everything, gone. And now we see the brighter side. Now we see them in Joshua chapter 8 face AI. It says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack AI. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourself. Set an ambush behind the city. So there's three quick things I want to point out that are different. Here it is. Number, when you pray and fast, this is what has been revealed to me. When I pray and fast, God's going to reveal things to me that I never saw. 
He's going to reveal things I never saw. Remember, their, their strategy was charge the city gate. That's what everybody else does. Charge the city gate. God says, charge the gate, but this time, set a group of soldiers behind the city as an ambush. They didn't do that before. God revealed something to them that they didn't see. When you pray and fast, church, and some of you have probably experienced this, a lot of you have participated and we're thankful for that, and I'm here to tell you, God's going to reveal some things. And it's going to be options and things that you did not see coming and you did not know about. And you're going to be like, whoa, that's really cool. And I'm going to show you what you need to do with that in a little bit. But so he reveals a new plan, a different plan. We need to pray and fast for grace because why? We need to see the plan that God has for this church. We have to have his plan because there are things that we see, but there are things we haven't seen. And we need a direct revelation from the Lord. This is what the Israelites experienced. They experienced a direct revelation from God. And I love that. I love it when we experience direct revelations from the Lord. And this is also the thing he tells them to do. He says, I don't want you to take two or 3,000 troops this time. I want the whole army. I know what your spies said. Reassign them, probably. He's probably, probably told them. And I want you to take the whole army. This is beautiful because you know what takes, you know what is so beautiful about the church? Everybody gets to participate. Not just the select few. Not just the people who you think is most gifted. God says, I want to use every single person in the room. The question is, do you believe God wants to use you? Do you believe it? That God wants to use you? Don't point to somebody else. Don't say somebody else's name. Say your name. God wants to use me. So what does he want me to do? And watch God speak to your life. The third thing he talks about is, remember when they were in Jericho, they had to eliminate everything, everything, not one thing. Achan found that out the hard way. God says, you can now take some of the plunder that belongs to the AI. You see the shift? God just wants to be honored with first things first. In the new land, in the new territory that God has for you, God says, I am not trying to take away everything from you. I'm trying to give you everything. I just want to make sure that you're not like Achan, where you put the needs of yourself ahead of my own commands. That's what Achan did. He said, my needs are more important than God's commands. And that was the danger zone Achan found himself in. Is my needs are more important. My desires are more important. And he had to learn the hard way that that is not the way. And so when Joshua and the people of Israel do this, they end up being victorious. This is important to catch because God speaks to him again in the middle of the battle. In verses 18 through 19, he says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out toward Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out toward the city the javelin that was in his hand. As soon as he did this, the men in the ambush rose quickly from their position, rushed forward, they entered the city and captured it, and quickly set it on fire. So, Joshua is holding out the javelin, and it goes on to say he did not lower it until victory was theirs. And this is what I was doing on Friday as I was reviewing my notes. I was looking for a spear all over this church. I was like, there's got to be a javelin. There's got to be a spear in this church somewhere, right? And I was looking all over the place. I was checking every closet, because I'm like, we've done a lot of plays and stuff here. There's got to be a spear. There's got to be a javelin. I didn't find one, church, all right? And so, <laughs> I'm literally in this closet over here on my left, and I'm looking through, and God says, I've given you a weapon. It's right here. And it checked me like, whoo. I don't watch hockey, but man, those guys check each other hard, right? And I, that, it, that's what I felt. I was like, boom. I was like, whoa. 
direct revelation from the Lord to me is that the power wasn't in the javelin. It was the word that was spoken over the javelin. The javelin was the weapon. But the spirit of God, the power of God, the word of God was spoken over the javelin. And that's why Joshua held it out towards the enemy. You see, church, you have the sword of the spirit within your grasp. So when the enemy comes against you, you point the javelin, you point the sword of the spirit, what the Bible calls the sword of the spirit. It's alive and active, the Bible says. It's not dead. You point it right at the enemy and says, I'm going to keep coming with scripture until you, until you leave me alone. I'm going to, if I fall, if I stumble, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to point it right back at you again. And the only way, devil, I'm going to quit is that you have to, you have to kill me. But guess what? If you take me out in this world, the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you're actually doing me a favor. So which is it? Do you want me to be with the Lord right now? Or do you want me to keep taking more of your territory? The enemy can't answer that question. He can't answer that question. Because you know why? Because he can't do anything without God's permission. He is subject to God's authority. He has to. He bows before the Lord. And this is what is so important, church. And so today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to close. Man, the Lord wants you to know his word, church. Because it's a thing that takes so much. It has so much power, so much authority in his word. That when you point it at the enemy, he's got nothing. Because he can't stand against God and his word. Heaven and earth pass away, nothing in his word will. This is so powerful for us to grasp and to grab a hold of. So what is it? What is it that you need to point at the enemy and say, get your hands off my kids. Get your hands off my spouse. Get your hands off my church, devil. Because the Bible says that he is going to build his church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail. So I'm pointing my sword, my javelin, at the devil, and I'm saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to keep pointing it. Because there's one thing he hates, is resistance. It's resistance. The Bible says resist him and he will flee. He hates resistance. So what is it? What, is, it is something plaguing your mind? Is it jealousy? Is it pride? Is it selfishness? Is it lust? What is it? Point it at the enemy. Know the word of God. Put it in your mind. Put it in your heart. The Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I will not sin against you. Put it in your mind. Put it in your heart. And you point it right at the enemy every time. Say, greater is he within me than he does in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. All these things that you can quote to him. Because he will flee. Because he can't stand against the weapon you hold in your hand. Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Three things. I would say to do on this subject. Whatever God speaks, no matter if it's just in this 21 days of fasting or not, write down what he's saying. Write it down what he's saying. Evaluate if that's in the word of God or not. Because the enemy can appear to you as the angel of light, so he can distort the truth. So it's important that you write down what God is speaking and then verify through the word of God, is it true what, God, what this is saying? Because sometimes it can be distorted. So you've got to check. Thank God we have something to check. Right? The second thing that God, I would encourage you to do, what is the next step God is telling you to take? A lot of times we want to get from point A to point Z. What's the next step? Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't fill yourself with stress and anxiety, with fear. What's the next step? 
God wants to just have you take the next step. What was the next step for Joshua when, when the plan was revealed? Go and tell the people what I said. How many know you can do that? It's not very hard. Okay, I'll just go and tell them. What did, what did Joshua do in the middle of the battle? God, God spoke again. He said, hold up your javelin. How many can hold up a javelin? I mean, it's, okay, it's pretty simple. Hold up the javelin. Joshua didn't lower it until the victory was his. That was pretty simple. Sometimes we overwhelm with our, ourselves with so much when God is just saying, will you take this next step? Then I will reveal to you the next step. Then he reveals. So the third thing I would say is keep going until you experience the victory. Joshua did not lower it until he was victorious. You don't stop believing. You don't stop trusting God until the victory is yours. And then you give praise and honor and glory to God because it, all glory, all honor belongs to him because you know you couldn't have done it without him. And you, you deserve 0% of the credit. And he deserves 100% of the glory. Amen. Amen.